What's up, everybody? This is Robert J. Dantzler, the author, the encourager here, and I am on the relationship status with Yusef, CL, and Neek. And today we're talking about surviving childhood sexual trauma and just, you know, turning that into a platform. And I hope that this blesses someone as I share my story and the impacts that it's had on me and how I've overcome and, you know, just so encouraged as to where I'm going from here. So I hope this blesses someone and I hope that you gain something from it and be sure that you tune in. Rate, comment, subscribe, share, whatever they ask you to do, do it. All right, peace. Welcome back to Relationship Status. It's your girl, Neat Cruz. C.L. Butler. And your boy, Yusef in the building. And once again, thanks for listening. You can catch us on relationshipstatuspodcast.com and anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast for free. And don't forget, if you want to join the conversation, make sure to give us a call, 843 310 That's 843-310-8637. And email us at podcast at gmail.com. Calm. Neek, what's happening? Did did you uh did you uh did you conquer the girls this week or did they conquer you? Um I know, no, 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 no. I conquered them. All this is almost (laughs) over. (laughs) I am good. However, I did have an accident this week. An accident. I cut myself. Yeah. Um Oh Lord. A razor cut, a razor cut, or what? What you, you cut? No, yourself? no, 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 no. I have um, we have these pans from um, like a restaurant that went out of business. We they were selling pans, so we have these big, big, giant, like real heavy pans on top of the refrigerator. And um, my mom was getting a, another pan, and the other pan fell on me, and one of them scratched me because the edges are so sharp. It scratched me on my hand. Scratch? Okay, Nick, you described this as a cut earlier, so it's a scratch. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's a cut. Yeah, it's she, a cut. It's a long like, cut on my hand. She sounded like Mir the other day. Okay. He scratched his knee. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's like, oh, my God. It went, half, it went halfway through my knee. Okay. Ex- extreme language. Yeah. So wh- why do y'all have restaurant pans? Because her cousin, because wor- her, her cousin worked there and stole them. I know. <laughs> That's how we all got our restaurant pans. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we all acquire those things. <laughs> Going out of business. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. But other than that, how was your week, Nate? Um, other than that, it was good. It was good. Everything is good on my end now. Okay. Okay. Uh, Brother CL, what you got for us this week? Uh, greetings and salutations. Greetings and salutations. Yes, from the First Baptist Pentecostal Presbyterian Church of Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> the Church of Hotel. AME. AME dot yeah. <laughs> com. <laughs> so, that's, uh, so how was your week? Man? Great, man. Great, great week. How did the experiment work this week? Uh the experiment. Yeah. Uh, no this experiment week? this week. I, I kind of laid off the Jesus. You laid off. You laid off the Jesus this week. Yeah, a little bit. See, that's why they can't take you seriously. I know. I know. I gotta. I don't <laughs> you gotta know. Be consistent. I gotta be consistent. You're not consistent. So right, that I have see. a blessed day. I'm gonna I'm gonna get back on it next week. Next week. Yes. You, know, you know it's going to be a, a week. I'm gonna go like a month. It's gonna be a week of at have, least laughter. Have a blessed day. It's gonna be at least a week. People gonna take me serious. I'm gonna bring out a bow tie or something. <laughs> Ooh, the bow tie. A bow tie or something. Uh, now then you have to and talk a pie. about. Then you got to talk about no uh, pies. You got, that's what I'm about to say. You got to talk about Allah. Have pies with you. Hum do Allah. Hum do Allah. Hum do Allah. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. 
I don't want to go too far with it. Just have a blessed day. Just have a blessed day. A blessed okay, day. we're going to But gonna, I want to be sincere. Going to get Jesus back in this. Okay. Going to get Jesus back. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, this week we have a honored guest. We're honored to have a uh, young man on who is uh, an author, a uh, professor at uh, University of D.C., uh, founder and CEO of RJD Empowerment Services, uh, uh, graduate of Claflin University, as well as South Carolina State University, and studied at Wesley Theological Seminary, a graduate of OW. 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 Worked there for a year. Go go Bruins? Go Bruins. Okay. Bruins and Bruinettes. Okay. Can't leave, can't, can't leave them out. Can't leave them out. Yes, and uh, if he went to OW, you know he's from? Orangeburg, South Carolina. So uh, we want to welcome to the show, Mr. Robert J. Dantzler. How you doing there, Mr. Dantzler? I'm doing good. Thank you. Thank you. How about you? Ah, man, we're doing fine up up around here. How's everything going for you up there in D.C.? Everything is as good as it can be. Okay. That's that's good to hear. I wish we had some applause for you, but we don't. Oh my 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 fault, yeah, my so man! Could have got him with the applause. My fault, my man! I got it. You know, we we we, we got to get on point there. Okay, let's 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 do this again. Okay, once again, okay. we have we have RJ Dantzler with e. us today. Okay, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Oh, Sound man. effects and all. Yes. Hey, man, we got all the all the tricks for you. Yes, we're gonna be a professional okay. podcast. When this it. is all said and done. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love it. I appreciate it. Love hey, it. Man. Okay. Uh, thank thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, oh well, you're, you're you're welcome. Yeah, Fel, fellow, fellow South Carolinian here. Yeah. Enjoy. Okay. Okay. Enjoying. Where from? I am from Race Path, South Carolina, which is a little exclusive community right outside of Myrtle Beach. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that's a new one for me. I, I, I normally, um, I was just remarking a few days ago how I think I, I've heard of every every place in South Carolina, but yeah, that, that one got by me. Oh, yeah. It's a very <laughs> exclusive community. Very, very exclusive. Right. Very <laughs> exclusive. When you say that, people people go, no. <laughs> how's, this, uh, how's this social distancing been treating you? Um, it's, it's been all right. You know, um, well, you know, the thing is I'm, I'm pretty much a homebody anyway. So the actual, the quarantine part of it, you know, it hadn't really bothered me. You know, I like to be around people, but at the same time, you know, I like to be home. You know, I'm introverted. Um, the social distancing, I kind of do that anyway. I just kind of like, you know, I'm gonna stay over here. You stay over there unless, you know, let me pick up my groceries. Let me go through the line and, you know, I'm going back to my car and I'm going to the house. So it's, it's been all right. Okay. So you (laughs) like people, but don't like people. (laughs) I don't want to put that out there, but that's kind of like what I just <laughs> Okay. 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 He doesn't want to say yeah. that per se, but yeah. Yeah, yeah we've all been there. Yeah. Cause I, cause I, I'm I, one, go ahead. Go ahead, Robert. Yeah. I, I love to, you know, I'm one, I'm an affectionate person. I like love hugging and like dapping up or whatever. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm like, get away from me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm one of those. <laughs> I fully understand. I'm the same way. Let me tell you a quick story yeah. about my trip to the grocery store today. Okay. Tell us. Now, you know they got the six feet lines, like the little boxes or the X marks the spot to stand. Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. was this lady with no mask on, like standing right behind me? Why are you judging her? She was standing right behind me though. Can't judge people. Like she missed the <laughs> box completely. <laughs> and so, but when you look past her, the guy that's 
behind her, he's two boxes away from her. Oh, wow. Because he left the box that she's supposed to be standing in. Oh, wow. So what do you say in those situations? Uh, was this person Caucasian? Of course. Female? Of course. It's nothing you can say to scare her. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's nothing at all you can say. You, the funny thing is, I was trying to inch up and stay in my box, and she kept inching up behind me. Okay, try try one of those uh, Caucasian queens. <laughs> Watch what happens to you. Can't scare her. No, man, listen, I, I, I wanted to say something, but I couldn't. You did the right thing. I just kept inching up, and she just kept coming. Okay. I, okay. I just couldn't okay. even. Okay. Well, well Mr. Uh, Robert. Yeah. Um. Where do we begin? You want to you want to start with your story with us here? Uh, okay, um, with any particular place you want me to start? No, or no, just... wherever you want to start, you can you know you can tell us a little more about yourself if you choose first, and, and go right okay, into well, it. It's up to you. Yes, yeah, so I can give you some um, in depth a little bit more with um, you know you know you covered it where you know I went to school and where I graduated from. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I was an American Studies major at Claflin. Okay, and um, I graduated in 03, then I went and got my um, master's from South Carolina State, Master of Arts in Teaching in English Education. Mm-hmm. And um, from there, I taught in Orangeburg County for uh, about two and a half years um, at Hunter Kennard Tyler High School and Middle School. Okay. Um, I taught grade through 12 from seventh grade ELA up to English 4. I mm-hmm. covered all of it. Um I was a student council advisor while there, and I worked with them on this program called College Summit, which was um, geared towards getting more um, students to apply to um, college, particularly those who um, live in like the rural areas. Mm-hmm. And um, so in Hunter Kennard Tyler, that's in um, Nisa, South Carolina, which is inside of Orangeburg County. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then after leaving there, I went and I taught at um, Allendale Fairfax High School. Whoa. Um, not. Not quite a full year. Um, I <laughs> ended up resigning and because um, I took another job in Beaufort, South Carolina at the Technical College of the Low Country. Okay. And so, yeah, yeah, that's a little bit about my, my journey so far as education and, you know, beginning of my career. Okay. Okay. Well, well what takes you to D.C.? The big city. The district. Okay. Is that what the locals call it? The district? Um, they say D.C. Some say the district. Mm-hmm. Um, or they, they, they call out whatever the neighborhood or whatever quadrant they're from. A quadrant. So wow. They, yeah. So DC is, is, um, divided into four quadrants is, mm-hmm. um, Southeast, Northeast, Northwest and Southwest. Okay. And so if you ever say from DC, if you're from DC, what somebody is going to ask you, what part are you from? Or if you say you live in DC, they're like, what part are you from? And it'll be one of those, you you get, you'll respond with actually with one of those four quadrants. And then how you know someone is from D.C., like you say they're a D.C., D.C. person, they're actually like, what part of Northeast? And that's when you got to get into your neighborhood. Oh. And, you know, that something like Eckington or uh, uh, Edgewood or Brentwood, something like that. And so, but, you know, so being that I was living there, um, being that I've lived there um, and I found out how all that works. So whenever I got asked that question, you know, I was already ready and, you know, and they'll, you know, they call out a landmark, you know, oh, you stay over there near the, um, the stable lot or the former mills. I'm like, yeah, I stay right over there and, you know, Rhode Island Avenue or whatever. And so we have that type of conversation. And so, yeah. Oh, that's so how, that's how we. So you wouldn't be able to fake it with some uh, Nike ACG boots and some mambo sauce. <laughs> no, not, not at all. Not, not at, at all. all. Okay. Um, okay. You, you got to, because see, 
the thing is, if you don't pass that part, mm-hmm. you, you know, the conversation much over. Oh, you know, okay. Okay. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I thought I could like, trick him with the look. Nah. No? Nah. No? It's, it's, <laughs> even that's, that's a little difficult because, you know, the city itself is so diverse. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you can be in one part of the city at, um, and then travel, like, say, 10 blocks. And it's like you sometimes not even that far. And it's like you're in another world. And oh. so and it's, okay. it's like, but you learn that from being there. It, it, it's something it's something you have to experience you know it's like i can tell you about it but mm-hmm. it's different you have to experience it and so like one of my so like for instance when i when i first moved and i'm and i'm going to tell you like what what took me to um dc okay um so like when i got there i was staying in what they call upper northwest dc and so there is a difference between upper northwest and northwest dc and pretty much that difference is it's is you know a socioeconomic type thing pretty oh. much. And so um, I was um, attending seminary, which is that why I went there. And I'm again, I'm getting to that, the backstory on that. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, I was uh, staying on campus. And then I remember going downtown one day. Um, it was one of the first times I took the bus. And I remember getting off the bus, or maybe I took the train, I had to transfer it to a bus. And I got off at Chinatown. And I looked up and when I saw across the street, and um, if anybody's from D.C., they know what, exactly what I'm talking about. I got off at Chinatown Metro stop and I looked across the street where the Walgreens is. And there was this lady. She was she threw a drink at another lady and like totally missed her face and like was swinging at the lady standing like three feet away. And so I'm just looking like she ain't trying to fight. But I know I'm like, I'm not in Kansas no more. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, a totally different area of the city. Oh, and wow. then so take the, the X2 bus. And, you know, that's, of course, one of the buses that come through that area. And every time I teach, a, I, every time I taught a class and I say X2, all my students who are from D.C., they went, ooh, because, oh, wow. you know, that's that's the like, it, that's the bus that takes you to the hood, so to speak. Oh, <laughs> you know, okay. and, you know, I didn't go into the hood, but, you know, my stop was on the way to the hood. So, okay. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that was that's how that goes. Um, oh, oh. So but how I got to D.C. was. um and back in 2012, um, I actually, um, I, I lost that job that I started working in, in when I was in Buford. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and I had actually already been wanting to move to like the DC, Maryland area because in 2011, one of my cousins moved up to Maryland to um, Howard County, which is like um, maybe 20 minutes from Baltimore. Yeah. And I visited her Christmas of 2011 and I absolutely, I um, absolutely loved it up here. And so I was like, if my bills could pay themselves, I wouldn't go back home. <laughs> and so, but of course I had to go back. Mm-hmm. And then, so, um, fast forward the next year, um, I got a new job, then I lost that job and, you know, went through this big depression and, you know, because at the time, you know, I'm trying to bounce right back up and get back into the scene. You know, I got to get me a job. I got to move. So why not start applying to jobs in Maryland and DC? Because that's where I want to go anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, the doors, you know, I didn't get a door, didn't get any um, open doors. Um, I did get invited to some interviews, but not, not didn't land any of um, those positions. Um, even to one point, I um, actually, I, I was actually living in Savannah, Georgia, and I remember um, catching the mega bus from Charlotte. Well, at first I drew from, I drove from Savannah to Charlotte, caught the mega bus, 
to DC, interview. They loved me, everything, but it was like it was something that they found in my um, background and. The HR person wanted to tell me about it, but she was like, you know, I had to see what my limitations are, but she never called me back to tell me what it was. And so, um, and it was something with checking my references that she found out. And um, kind of like when I, as I'm saying this, I'm like, I hope I'm not saying too much, but at the same time, you know, it, it, it's my story. <laughs> I'm just talking about, I'm just talking about what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, anyway, so um, again, I lost that job, went through the depression. I moved back to Orangeburg for a few months. And um, at the time, I didn't realize it was just part of God's design that I'd be back in Orangeburg at that time, because um, prior to that, I had been a caregiver for my grandmother who had Alzheimer's. And so when I got the new move out and another family member had to move in with her. um, But during that time, as I was um, going through that depression, you know, that gave me a lot of time to really pray and ask God, like, what's my direction? What do I need to do? And I realized that I had a call to preach or what we would just generalize a lot of times as a ministry call. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I was like, well, I know that I have that, but maybe that's for later. But, um, and actually I remember being at Claflin's homecoming one year and I was actually one of the judges for the step show. And another young lady who was um, judging, she looked at me and she said, do you, we were in, engaged in a conversation and she was like, do you believe you have a ministry call? Wow. And, you know, talking and then you know she's like rob i'm serious and i'm like i know you're serious but i'm trying to ignore you right now <laughs> and so she was like she had read a lot of my my posts on um facebook and she was like it's they're theologically sound and i think you should look into wesley so she sent me the information about wesley um during that time of unemployment depression and just feeling overwhelmed i actually applied to seminary and that was the door that opened for me and as well as i got I actually a door opened also in Orangeburg for to teach at OC Tech as well as at Claflin. So there I was stuck with making a decision. And, you know, there were folks like say, well, you can just stay here and start fresh. Then there were some folks like, no, you need to leave Orangeburg. You need to get a fresh start somewhere else because, you, you know, you've, you've been here long enough. <laughs> and so um, I listened and got with God's direction. I made that move to D.C. And the day that I said yes, that I was going to go. Um, my grandmother was being placed in a nursing home. So mm-hmm. that answered the question because everyone was asking like, well, what's going to happen to your grandma? Who's going to take care of your grandma? And, you know, really, actually, I was like, well, you know, that's on my other family member now, you know, because, you know, I have to live my life. And so I went ahead. Um, I remember the exact morning. It was Thursday, August 22nd, 2013, when I got in my car, hit 301 North, uh-huh. 295 North all the way to DC. Um, and what was interesting about that day was that was exactly one year after being terminated from that previous job. So one year later, I was stepping into a new, a new season, so to speak. So yeah, that's how I got to DC. That's okay. my story about how I got to DC. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. okay. Wow. Big, big difference than uh, Orangeburg, right? Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, the, one of the biggest differences is that there's there's always something to do in DC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, okay. and if you if you're not doing something, it's because you choose not to do something. Yeah, so okay. it's, it's always something to do in. DC. And then you know you have the surrounding areas, Northern Virginia, you know Prince George's County, Maryland. Uh, you can take that quick trip up to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's stuff you know. Um, say if you want to take a day trip to New York, 
you know, is, is, is nothing. You know, it's what people do all the time, you know. Okay. There are a lot of folks who actually live in other places and come into D.C. for work. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it's... Yeah, always something to do. Okay, okay. Well, let's let's now let's dive a little bit into your story, Robert. Okay. How, how do how do we get to the point of even having this conversation that we're b- okay, about to so, embark on? I'm sorry. Say that. What, was that, what, was, what did you say? I'm I said, uh, "Tell us about your story, the story we're about to embark on." Mm-hmm. Um, okay. How, how we even got into even being on the show and the conversation, like, what is this about? Okay. So, um, about two weeks ago, I, um, did a live post on Facebook and Instagram about, um, me being a survivor of childhood sexual assault. Um, I actually posted something a year ago at the end of April, um, cause April is sexual assault awareness month. And it was something that I had, you know, been kind of observing for a couple of years, but um, not telling, you know, my story or, you know, even mentioning that I'm a survivor. You know, you know, I would wear the ribbon and someone would ask, like, you know, um, you, know you know, what's that ribbon for? And I would tell them and they would say, like, well, um, you know, someone and, I'm, and I would just leave it at. Yes, I know someone who's a survivor of child sexual assault or, you know, I know people. Um, and then I would share with some folks here and there. Um, that I am a survivor of child sexual trauma. And um, I just did a post um, at the end of April of 2019. I just said, you know, my heart and my prayer goes out to all the um, survivors of childhood sexual assault, um, beginning with this little boy. And it was a picture of myself at age five. Wow. And then there were, you know, folks like, wow, you know, exactly just the reaction you just had. Mm-hmm. And, you know, someone like, you know, you know, thank you for sharing that. You're so brave to do that. Um, and, you know, um, that took a lot of courage. Um, I didn't know that happened to you. Um, that shouldn't have happened to you. And, you know, so I, it was just a bunch of love and, you know, I, and I appreciate it, but, you know, I knew I wanted to go a little further with it. Okay. And so do. This, this year at the end of April, um, I actually did a live post and a friend from college, um, Natisha, um, reached out to me and, you know, told me about your show and someone, um, I don't remember who she said, but she said someone saw my post, um, who, you know, the podcast, um, one of the podcast hosts and wanted to have a talk with me. And I said, sure. I said, you know, here's my number and you, or you can give me my, um, my social media information either, um, either works for me. And so, yeah, that's how I'm here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now. Uh, with that happening, you were five years old. When did you realize it was actually sexual assault? Okay, so um, I didn't realize it was sexual assault until maybe I was somewhere in my late 20s. Wow. Um, that's what I realized that I had been um, molested. I've heard of the word, mm-hmm. but I didn't know that it applied to me. Um and, and also because, you know, when we think about um, or when people say stuff like molestation or they say rape, a lot of times they use those words interchangeably. And because I was like, you know, it wasn't like someone tied me down or, you know, whatever, um, mm-hmm. you know, in that sense, like forcible sense like that. Um, that's why I never made the connection. It was when I started to um, have conversations with people and someone was like, you realize you were raped or you know, that was molestation. Um, and even when I started to hear people share their stories, I'm like, that happened to me as well. So, yeah, I was in my late 20s. Um, 
at maybe even my early thirties before I realized that that's what happened to me. And, um, and oh, I just wow. want to say five was the first time it happened. Cause it, it happened more than once. Okay. Now, now to that point, uh, uh, RJ, uh, you made a mm-hmm. statement in your life that said, uh, in the black community, there's not a healthy conversations about sex. thus leading kids to explore and be open to basically the uglies of the world where people can mm-hmm. kind of guide you in the wrong direction that way. So, and then you said you didn't actually have a, a conversation until you were about eight and you kind of wished that somebody would have had that conversation with you earlier. So what right. do you think, how do you think that has kind of, what make, what was that feeling at that point when you realized that that kind of conversation needed to be had with you earlier? Did you feel any kind of way towards the, the person that, that, that basically, you know, I guess your grandmother raised you. So, well, that's mm-hmm. what, so was it any anger towards her or anything there? No. So, um, well, first, um, none of the folks who raised me, they, they, they never knew that this happened, you know, um, to me and my grandmother passed in 2016. And so she never knew this happened. That conversation that I had at eight years old, it came through, um, from my aunt and, um, she also deceased. Um, matter of fact, she actually passed away um, five days before my grandmother did. Um, so that was a tough time for my family. You know, we, dealing with those deaths um, five days apart. Um, but no, I, I didn't feel, or I don't feel any resentment um, about that um, regard, in regards to like the people who were, um, who raised me. There was a time that I actually felt something against my father, my biological father, um, who was absent from my life. And, and, and that came from like, when we talked, we have these conversations and, you know, they talk about, you know, how certain things happen to certain people because their fathers are absent and things like that. So I kind of took that on that, you know, if my father was here to protect me, maybe this wouldn't have happened to me or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and even for my granddaddy, you know, my granddaddy, my mom's dad, you know, he was in the house. Um, But, you know, I, after just like getting by it and, you know, learning the importance of like forgiveness or even, not just making that narrative my definition of whatever, because, you know, something that a lot of us are exposed to, we take on other people's narratives and we apply them to our lives. But as I just say, you know, it was something that happened. Um, but I, I don't, I don't have like any hard feelings against like my grandmother, my mother, my aunt, my grand, my granddaddy, um, my father, n- nobody is, it's like, um, if anything, the resentment is against, you know, my offender. Um, but no, not anybody who raised me. Okay. Well, I um, actually have a question for you. In your life, you say you felt like you lost um, your power. Um, do you feel like you're gaining that back by now speaking out about it and talking about it more? Absolutely. Um, so that's part of the process, you know, of healing and getting your power back. Because like with almost anything, when you are able to talk about it, and it doesn't haunt you. Um, and in my case, I make, as I'm able to talk about things and it's not haunting me, it's like I'm getting my power back, you know, because this, whatever this is, and, you know, all of the, um, say, the, the language that surrounds it, as in, like, people who are molested will be this or that or whatever, you know, I'm just like, nah, you know, I'm, I'm good, you know, I'm, I'm better, 
um, I'm getting to the point where, you know, I'm great. I'm, I'm already claiming great. So, yeah, I, I have my power back because the fact that I can talk about it and, um, you know, you re- and I started to, you know, just release everything that was held, you know, held up because, you know, I have gotten to the point where I actually did, you know, um, forgive the offender. Um, and, you know, it's, it's still a working process. So, yeah, you know, yeah, my power is I have my power. Because, you know, no one can hold that over my head and make me feel bad about it because of the fact that the key word here, and this, I actually got this from um, a lady who I met at a, uh, a health fair where we were speaking. We were both speaking. She was speaking about her being a survivor of childhood, well, just sexual assault um, as both as a, um, as a teenager and as adult. And I was actually there talking about my caregiving experiences. And I actually just opened up to this lady who I never saw before. And just like, I'm like, that's how I kind of, that was the indication, like, you know, you're good. You got your power back. And so from there, and she gave me, well, she said this in her presentation that we're not going to use the victim, but we're going to use the word survivor. And the fact that I'm a survivor is evidence that I have my power. Okay. Robert, this is CL here. Um, Mm-hmm. Have you had the opportunity to confront or even have the conversation with the um, uh, person who assaulted the you? Well, the offender. The, I mean, I, I'm not sure what to call this person because um, it's uh, well, that. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a lot. Yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, it's just so I sympathize with you so much about something happening, being so helpless. But have you right. had the opportunity Thank- to confront or say your piece to this person? Okay, so um, I was not able to say something to this person, and and it was a it was a male um, assaulter, uh, molester. Um, I I didn't get to say anything to him personally because I found out that he actually passed away wow. um, some years ago. Um, I uh, want to say, I think 2000, because I'm actually Facebook friends with a couple of his sisters. Um, and I think 2000 was the year that he, he had passed away. And so, no, I didn't. But um, the confrontation, so to speak, or the or the addressing of it actually or something that would be directed at him. It came through me actually writing a letter that was advised by my therapist. Mm-hmm. Um because you know, I have a therapist and I attend sessions. Um, we all should. For, um, so can you hear me? Yeah, I hear yeah, you. Yeah, we got you. Okay. Okay, so, um, yeah, so uh, one of my, my, my therapists had me write a letter to the uh, my offender. And um, that was the first time that I actually got to, like, say, ask some questions and really, like, pour out what was happening. But, yeah, so that that's that was my only form of say confrontation to, you know, to the um, guy who assaulted me. Okay. I, uh, are the use of here again? Um, you said that, uh, in your live, once again, you said that you found the strength to say you can stop now. Like, where did you, where did you find that strength? Okay. So actually what you're referring to right there is, um, that was actually in a poem that I wrote. Um, and so, um, I'm actually, I may have said it in the live too. You just, I don't, yeah, you know, you it, it was just, yeah. um, 
I, I don't know, because I, I, I remember specifically it was in a poem, because um, right after I did that the first lab, I posted a poem that I wrote um, about it as well. Um, so um, that is actually something that I, I don't know. I, that was um, during that, that last time that I was um, assaulted. I was um, 12 years old at the time. And um, I was just there, and it just, you know, it just felt like the assault was going on and on, and it was going to continue going. And it was just, you know, I don't, I don't know if it was like a um, out of body experience or whatever. I just said, you can stop now, and that's what happened. You know, uh, you know, that's how it came to an end. Know, I'm sorry. Is that how the abuse came to an end? You said. But you could say, well, yeah, the, the abuse came to an end because it, you know it didn't happen again after that. Okay. Or you know, from him stopping from what was happening at the time and what was happening at the time was he was penetrating me. And so I just said, you can stop now. And, you know, he stopped and that was, that was that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, um, you, this is Neek. Um, you spoke on that, you know, you have a, a therapist um, and I'm proud of you that, you know, you went to therapy because in a black community that is kind of, Mm-hmm. pushed away from um, taboo. what made you realize um, that you were ready for therapy okay so um, what helped me realize so um, I realized that because I just I've, I, I've been carrying a lot of stuff for a number of years um, I'm one that you know people come to me with their stuff and I'm helping them with their stuff but I've never like worked with my stuff, so to speak. Um, and so when things started to just weigh heavily on me and, you know, it's, you know, you can only suppress for so long. And um, I remember, matter of fact, three years ago, um, uh, a failed relationship situation left me very depressed. And matter of fact, it was like for the entire month of May, it was like, I was just like somebody else. And therapy had been recommended before. And, you know, I was like, you know, I wasn't at first, you know, I was like, no, I'm good. I don't need that. Then when I heard it the second time, I was like, okay, well, you know, it's not so bad because again, I'm carrying so much stuff and I, you know, and I don't know what to do with it, but I know I need to put it down and like, but where do I put it? You know, how do I, how do I even let it go? And so I remember speaking to my pastor and, you know, he talks about, he um, has a therapist and I have a black pastor. Mm -hmm. Um, and he um, mentioned it and then like he gave me the information and then like I didn't call and it was almost like two years ago. And then if something happened, he just said, hey, are you still thinking about going to therapy? And I said, yeah. And so he gave me the information again. And so and it was I got that feeling. I'm like, no, my pastor, he's going to follow up again. He's going to follow up and ask that I call. And so I went ahead and reached out to the therapist and sure enough, the, like my, my pastor followed up and was like, um, did you call? <laughs> and, and so, and I'm like, yeah, I called. And so it was pretty much, um, so I can't like really pinpoint the actual date, but I just, I knew for at least four years that I needed to start this process. And when it finally did start and actually not, not long ago, it was, um, like say September, October of 2019 when I started my sessions and, um, yeah. And so it was like, and so I don't know if it was something that my, my pastor was sensing that he was like, you know, there's greater for you, but you, you know, you may be standing in your way because 
you know, you don't know how to filter out these things on, on your own. And so, yeah. So I hope that's answering the question. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 you did. Now, uh, your past trauma, um, has it affected your personal and romantic relationships in a negative way? Or have you been able to, because I know sometimes when you date people, you may share things with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, it can either scare them or draw them closer to you or... I know, like me personally, sometimes I run. <laughs> if it's too much, I'm like, I'm out. I can't. I can't do this. So, mm-hmm. has that had an effect effect on you throughout uh, your relationships? You know, professional and romantic. Okay, so let's. Um, I can start with the romantic part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, with that, so I've actually never truly had a. Um. A, a real romantic relationship. Um, I just had, you know, situations, how we say, you know, we talking to somebody, you know, okay. I just <laughs> talked to them. <laughs> okay. And so, and I, I, I do think that there have been times where I, I'd scared folks off because um, of sharing that. And, you know, some people, you know, I don't know if it was because their experience with someone else who has been molested or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that, you know, so I, I've not had those. And because, and a lot of times also because of the issue of, of trust, okay. you know, um, you know, I, I, you know, like who can I really trust, you know, like, um, and then also the thing is the, the lines were extremely blurred um, to romance or whatever, or uh, thinking that, you know, um, I've learned better since, mm-hmm. but a lot of times with romance always came sex. Okay. And so, you know, I, I had a a very um, like I said the 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 lines were blurred like extremely rough when you talk about romance and sex like you, you think they go hand in hand mm-hmm. and um and sex was where I started a lot of times and and if that's where I started it was also where where everything stopped okay because and so you know I, I made some um some poor decisions and I just I say poor decisions. Um, I don't call them regrets because, you know, you know, I can't change it now. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, I, I use those as, you know, like say building blocks are um, lessons learned, you know, things to learn from. Um, and in the same way, when we talk about, say, personal, um, professional or family relationships, you know, I just, you know, I, I had, I had, have, had slash have issues with trust, okay. you know, because a lot of times when we, um, for anyone who has experienced any type of trauma or um, you make those associations when you see certain signs, like, okay, this is somebody who's going to do this. Um, and so I, I want to stay away and, you know, you just don't draw to people and, you know, I wouldn't allow myself to open up. You know, I've had friends, they was like, you know, I tell you all my business, but I don't know nothing about you. And so it came from like, you know, I don't know if I tell you, you know, I don't know what you're going to do with it. <laughs> you know, okay. um, are you still going to be my friend or are you going to disown me if you, you know one of my family members or are you going to, you know, uh, are you going to run and tell it? So the best way I just dealt with it is just keeping everything to myself and which, you know, um, at a point where I didn't have any boundaries, I started to create boundaries that kept people out or kept people away from me. 
and, okay. and things like that. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I'm, I mean, it's very unfortunate, but uh, you wasn't allowed mm. by being, you know, assaulted to even have the mm-hmm. right foundation to start off with. So you're kind of right. I don't want to say forever. You're forever a survivor, not a victim. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. Oh, and, no. and what you just said is something that my, my um, therapist actually pointed out to me was like, you know, um, pretty much um, a paraphrase it, show yourself grace because, you know, you didn't have a choice in mm-hmm. that matter, in that matter of, you know, because of what happened to you. And so, you know, is it now that you're older and you know how to make better decisions, you know, flow in that lane? Okay. Yeah. Um, the sex talk, you, you mentioned something about being younger. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you were younger, mm-hmm. just from what you've experienced in your personal life and through education, what do you think is a good age for parents to start this conversation with kids? Because this happens way more often than we want to actually admit. Or that's reported. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, so about so what it, age do you think it should kind of start the conversations? as early as the child is able to understand and comprehend. And that can be as early as three years old. Wow. And because, um, you know, even if you have to tailor the language, you know, where, you know, we might not use the biological terms, but, you know, use our little household or around the neighborhood terms. Mm-hmm. When we um, talk about stuff like, you know, say if this is a, a PP or a wee wee or something like this, or this is your, your, your butt, butt, or, you know, those things, even if we have to tailor the, the language for that, you have to start early because, um, you know, like I said, it, it happens, um, you know, you know, five was very young, but there are also instances of people who have been violated younger than that, mm-hmm. you know, three or four. Um, I have a, um, a friend who mentioned that they had that talk at four um, with a, with a family, with a, um, a mother had to talk and, you know, it was like, you know, four, what, what do you know at four? They said, well, I had to, she said, because I had a family member who tried to touch me and, you know, and thankfully she was able to tell someone that that happened. And it was like, you know, no one should be touching you there. So yeah, it's, it's almost like, you can say it's, it's never too early. It's never, you know, a lot of, I know a lot of like to say, you know, we're going to wait till you're 12 or even 16 but and that's way too late. That's way too late. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Now, now with it happening so young, did you actually tell someone and they just didn't follow up, or did you try to bear this whole burden alone? So, um, I, I never told anyone um, as a you know as as a kid because. You know, it's like you kind of get a sense that, you know, it's something that, you know, you're not supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, again, so, you know, we're grown here, right? Yes, we are. I, I try okay. to be. Don't, don't go too far. I... <laughs> okay. So, you know, um, where where I'm from, um, or, you know, maybe even a lot of places, we, you know, growing up, you know, we hear about this thing called hunching, normally from our peers. Oh, yeah. That's um, very which southern. Is, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and what people now, you know, they call it now dry humping, but, you know, we say hunching. So, you know, mm-hmm. we knew about hunching, you know, you had to go hide behind the house or, you know, you know, go hide in the room. You got to, you know, somebody got to look out make sure nobody watching or whatever. And so, you know, that's, that's how that happened. And so, and I remember um, a couple of my um, friends, you know, 
they got fussed at because, you know, it either was a aunt or a mom. It was an adult caught them in that, in, you know, hunching, you know, just, yes. you know, pumping with your clothes up. And so, and then, you know, you would hear somebody reacting. And then, you know, even at my house, you know, I, I remember telling my grandmother about that or whatever. And she was like, you know, make sure you don't do that. And, you know, she even like stopped me from going to those people's houses or whatever. Okay. And so it was kind of like, you know, you knew that this stuff wasn't supposed to be happening. So in my mind was, if I tell, I'm going to get a beating. And so, oh. that, yeah. <laughs> so that was my little five-year-old mind was that, or my, you know, seven-year-old mind. Yeah, you know, but you shouldn't even be having to process this type of stuff. Not at all. At right. that age, yeah. But and so, and, and so even, so back to the, you know, even with the part about how old, you know, should we have talks? Um, and, and the thing is, I realized that kids, whether, you know, you have your own kids or you have God kids, nieces and nephews, kids are smarter than what we realize. Mm-hmm. And the way I realize that is when I think about how much sense I had as a kid. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, when my when I heard one of my little cousins say something, or she posted on her Instagram, and I didn't snitch on her because you know I don't want her to block me. <laughs> but like when she she posted something like, you know, these teachers, um, these teachers crazy AF. And you know, one day I asked, I said, "What does AF mean?" Mm-hmm. And she made up something, and I'm like, this "Little girl lying to me." Okay. <laughs> but anyway, so, but and I think about it, I'm like, she, that's just how we were. You know, we were, you know, advanced. You know. Yes. <laughs> and. So, yeah. So again, yeah. So in my mind, I was like, I'm gonna get a beating. I'm gonna get in trouble if I say something, if if I tell what happened. And so, you know, but I don't, I don't want to get a beating. So that's why, you know, I didn't tell. Okay. Okay. Wow. Hey, uh, RJ, um, you you said something that I wanted you to kind of expound on a little bit in your live. You said, um, I consented without knowing why I consented. Do you mind, yeah. like, maybe expounding on that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, um, so I'm one, I, I, a lot of times, you know, so I, I contemplated, of course, a long time or for a while whether or not I was going to share openly. I, I knew that I wanted to share openly that, you know, I had been, like, molested. And, you know, I've watched other stories of people when they were sharing their stories. And so I'm thinking about, you know, kind of like anticipating questions um, that someone may ask because one of the um, things that, a lot of um, people who have been assaulted have come across when they tried to report um, people say, well, you must have liked it. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. And so here, you know, I'm just thinking like, well, what if somebody accused me of that? Because I'm like, you know, this is not something that I liked or wanted or whatever. And so it's like, while you in that moment, are you in those moments? Um, it's like, it's, it's like, you know, kind of, connected to when um, Nick was asking the question about the power, it's like your power is escaping you. And it's like, you know, it's like, it's like, do I say no? And then also it's like in that moment, it's like you're being um, the moment of manipulation, which you don't realize at the moment. Or what was happening to me was like, someone was like, well, you know, um, was like, uh, are you scared? You don't have, you don't got to be scared. You know, you know, like it's not going to hurt or whatever. And it's like, you know, there's a curiosity that's happening there. And then there's also, it's just like so much is happening. And so it's like, the next thing I know, it's like, there we are in this act. And I'm like, and I never wanted to like, I, I didn't want that to happen, but it's like, I couldn't stop it from happening because, you know, it's like I said, okay, well, 
I guess we can try, you know, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if I said that with my mouth or whatever, but I'm just saying it's like, maybe my, because we, because the act started to happen, you know, maybe there was some type of, okay, green light, you know, to go and do that. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's deep. Man. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Very deep. Are there, are there a lot of support groups for adults in the same situation? Um, whether that's virtual or in person that, uh, people may be able yeah, to reach so I, out I, to. And I haven't found some, um, some Facebook groups. Um, mm-hmm. but what's interesting at, you know, and I actually have joined some, but it's like the, the communication is like, it's not, it's not consistent or whatever, or maybe I don't check often enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some things um, happening there. Um, but um, I think that there needs to be more because this happens so often and it's um, not there. And, and it's also, and because it's, it's, it's a couple of things um, that is there. One, you, you don't, you, there are people who don't know how to approach the situation um, to make room or to make spaces for, for that. Um, and there are people who hide things. Um, and I'm saying, not just the people who have been assaulted, but they're actual folks who like, you know, because folks want to keep a certain image. They don't, they don't talk about it. And uh-huh. so, um, there isn't a whole lot. Um, I just found very few. Um, I'm sure that there's a lot more, but so I started off by actually seeing like YouTube videos of, um, other men who were sharing their stories and, you know, um, but there is, it's like you, you really have to, go looking for them or, you know, or happen to stumble across them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, wow, man, you got us, uh, yeah. very rarely are we, uh, speechless. Here. Yeah. 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 I mean, you, <laughs> yeah. there's so much yeah. uh, courage involved in this. Yeah, definitely. I definitely, definitely. applaud your, uh, thank you. Courage here, man. Um, very few people I think, uh, are able to, um, what's the word I'm looking for. They're able to candidly speak mm-hmm. openly, <laughs> about it and i know it took you a while to get get here um right so along that journey like every every time you talk about it does it become easier um yeah it it becomes easier um and you know even before i started sharing i just told myself that you know whenever i i um decided to start talking about it you know just let everything be known you know just put it all out there you know, um, and yeah, it becomes easier. Um, uh, I don't recall a time that I may have had like a setback or whatever, um, from talking about it. Um, yeah. So yeah, it it becomes, like I said, it's easier. And then, you know, um, is the greatest thing is that for me, as I talk about it is not just like say being free or have my power, but also when I know that I'm giving someone else power um, because there are a lot of folks who haven't talked about this. And, you know, it's, it was even, it was like amazing because even when, like I said, I've seen different types of videos of here and there of people who have shared their story. But when I started sharing mine, it was like, whoa, like it was almost like a thousand more people that like haven't engaged in this conversation, you know, both males and females uh-huh. um, because they just didn't know where to go or how to go about it. And, you know, so that was, 
and and when I know stuff like that, that's when I'm like, that's why I'm like, I got to keep talking about this, or I got to do something else, um, or it just lets me know I did the right thing, and and I'm and I'm, I'm and I know that I won't know every story of you know, you know, of someone who said that you know they heard my story and they were blessed, um, but you know, and that's okay, but mm-hmm. as you know, as long as I know that it's gonna impact someone, even if they're just getting more information, you know, that helps it that makes it easier for me to keep talking about it. Wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a second and, uh, and, and right here now and, uh, get into your books, the, the author side of, uh, Mr. Dan. Okay. Um, yes, sir. Uh, grandma's hand-me-downs. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I read the, one of three books, right? One of one, one of three books, uh, mm-hmm. grandma's hand-me-downs. Yep. Uh, I know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what's the other one? Um, I know the day you looking for me. Oh man, no, I'm not looking I, for you. Boy, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you put me on oh, an island. I don't oh, know. okay. I'm sorry. Know this nine essential principles yeah. to know as your journey towards your destiny and what's in the yes. day. Okay. Well, well, tell us a little bit about the first book, which yes. is 2014. You did two books in 2014 and one in 2016. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about the first, right. second, and third book respectively. You, it's, um, so you said the first one and then what what again? What first the first book? second and third? Yeah, the yeah. first second. Just tell us a little bit about all all three. In order. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um Grandma's hand me downs, that was uh that's a tribute to my maternal grandmother, um, who raised me. Mm-hmm. Um my mother was um she passed away when I was twelve years old. Mm-hmm. And she um and part of her story has become my story as well. Um she um had um my mom, she was um, diagnosed in her early 20s with um, schizophrenia, and she got pregnant with me at age 29, and she um, was told that she needed to abort me um, because they figured, you know, she wasn't capable to raise a child. Um, and this story was told to me by my aunt, my mom's sister. She was in the actual abortion clinic with my aunt and my uh and my granddaddy, her dad, and um, she found out during that visit that she was four months pregnant. And the significance there is that in South Carolina, they can't abort or they don't abort after the first trimester. Mm-hmm. So, like, I just made it, like, literally, I just made it. Mm-hmm. And so you've been surviving she, um, since you started. Yeah, that's that's wow. that's my life story. Wow. <laughs> and so, you know, she. Um, and she was the only one of her siblings who didn't have a child at the time. And she had already been an aunt for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so, but, you know, um, and my, my, the way my aunt told me the story was that, you know, she just like her spirits lifted. But so um, at the time, my grandmother was actually living in D.C. My um, grandmother made preparations for my mom and my aunt to come back up here. My aunt has a daughter, but they didn't want to leave. And so my grandma was like, well, I can't leave that baby. And I was born a month and a half premature. Um, with a heart murmur. And so my grandmother gathered her life and moved back to Orangeburg and raised me. She and my mom were there. And, you know, my um, like said, my mom passed. And my mom also was diagnosed um, with ALS, mm-hmm. um, which oh. is also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. And so, you know, pretty much, like say, you know, after her passing, and my grandmother was always there, but it's like, this, you know, my grandmother was, you know, she, did everything, you know, um, she was always there. And 
she used to always be saying these things that used to get on my nerves and are you, you know, I'm like, grandma, why are you always saying that? Like, what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like she would say like, you know, um, be yourself before you be by yourself or, um, what was another one she used to say? Um, a good laugh will do you all the good. You know, I would hear it or, you know, manners will take you when money won't. I, I know mm-hmm. a lot of people have heard that. And then I'm like, grandma, why, what, what does that really mean? She never told me what it meant, but these sayings that she used to say, those were, like the foundation of um of my life okay. you know um where i got my values and my morals um from like you know where i got the beginning um with these things that she would say me and they and so in the book what i do is i tell a short story about how you know one of the happenings when she said one of these things and how it you know influenced me into my adulthood as in sharing what i believe the message she was telling me as well as the lesson she was teaching me. And then with each one, I also like wrote a poem as if, you know, it was my grandmother sending me this message. So that's how I came up with that book, Grandma's Hand-Me-Downs, the, the lessons that she actually handed down to me, handed down to me wow. um, through those same. And, and you said um, she was in D.C.? Your grandmother? When I wrote, No, yeah, not when you wrote the book, was, when you were younger. She was in D.C.? No, she, she lived in D.C., before I was born, up okay. until I was born, like I think she moved in like nineteen seventy five. Okay. And and see, I was I was born in nineteen eighty, and so like she she was working a live in job, mm-hmm. um, whereas like you know she, she um did like domestic work, and um you know they provided her you know her housing as well that was part of her you know um, pay, and okay. so um, and then she like I said when I was born you know she told me yeah, she said your mom sent me a telegram she said. Had a baby boy. He got here early, um, four pounds. And mm-hmm. so, she, you know, came down and, you know, saw me. And she told me, she said she almost passed out. She said, because out of all her grandchildren, I was the smallest one. Oh, wow. <laughs> that she, that was and so, um, yeah. And I remember her actually saying that my uncle, um, who was dating my aunt at the time, you know, they ended up, they did get married. Um, he, he walked up and said, you're ready to be a grandma again, aren't you? And and it's funny because I remember she was, she said that several times, like when I was young, but I, I never thought about that again until this point, like as we're talking. And so, yeah, like I said, yeah, she went and got her stuff and mm-hmm. she moved back to South Carolina because, you know, my mom and my aunt didn't want to move okay. um, to the D.C. area. And what is interesting about that, both my cousin and I, we now live up this way. Wow. It <laughs> came back full circle, yeah. huh? <laughs> exactly. Okay. And so... And I told her I, when I moved up, I said, you realize, I said, you remember we were supposed to, we were supposed to grow up up here. And she was like, yeah. And I said, well, look at us. We up here now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And what's the second book? So the second book is called what's in a day. Mm-hmm. And it's a collection of some inspirational writings that I've done. Um, I post a lot of my inspirational writings, like on my social media. Um, I used to do them with um, my text messaging. Um, a, a whole lot. Um, I recently stopped because I got a new phone, okay. and um, I, and I know how to do it, but I don't. I don't like the way that the, the phone does it because um, <laughs> I, I switched Android to to um, to iPhone. You know, I love the iPhone, but you know, I, I, um, with Android, I had the option of sending this as a regular SMS message as opposed to a group message because if somebody replies, you know, I doesn't. I don't want it going, and everybody doesn't know to 
stop and send you a message separately. They'll send it back to the entire group. And I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't want people getting annoyed like that. So um, okay. well, maybe I'm, that's just my issue. I'm, well, I'm, I'm, glad, that I'm glad you upgraded your phone and got away from those. Things. Yeah, yeah, you got to get away from Android. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, iPhone is best. I'm sorry. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm still a little. I, I, I rock with Android a little bit, so you know, I still have some love, but. I just say like this. I, I like I like both. You okay. Know, I like the Android and I like the iPhone, but I do like some stuff that I can do now with iPhone that I couldn't do before. One being FaceTime, even okay. though you know I know there's Tango and Duo and all that stuff like that. But anyway. Oh wow. <laughs> but, oh wow. So let's get know, into the non-essential principles. Oh well, I, well. Let, let me finish a little bit about the. Um, oh okay. I didn't mean to cut what, you off there. <laughs> so okay, all right. So, with what's in the day? My um, my my main um focus there is in sharing the collection. Is that saying about like what happens in a day? Like what really happens in a day? You know, we can count the number of seconds, minutes, whatever. But also in the day that we have opportunities to be better, and we don't have to limit that to any particular day. Okay. And so, like for you know, we don't have to wait until um. January 1st to resolve to be better. I can set a resolution anytime throughout the year. Okay. You know, um, we don't have to wait till Valentine's Day to show people we love them. You know, you know, we can, you know, you know, big ups to like the the um couples, the married couples or the, you know, not the non-married couples that do like date nights and things like that. You know, like, you know, Shaka Khan said, and I forgot who, who made the song, made, um, who she got the song from, but I have it in um the book saying that, you know, each day is Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. You know, and it doesn't have to be always on February 14th. Okay. And so, yeah, pretty much um, my whole message is that every day is a gift from God and we should use every day to be the very best that we can. And yeah, that's, that's my message there okay. in, in that book. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Thank you for that. Yes. Yes. And so, and with the third one, know this, the 90 central principles to know as you journey towards your destiny. Mm-hmm. So that came at a point where I had a, I, I said one of those um, pause moments in my life in um, 2015. Um, it was, I had to leave seminary um, uh-huh. because um, uh, I had um, maxed out on my student loans. And so I couldn't continue. Well, and I had three and a half hours to complete my program, but I couldn't, con- I couldn't continue because I had a balance. Mm-hmm. And so, and I didn't have the money. And I, I couldn't go back to South Carolina because at that time my grandmother was in a nursing home. And so, um, I, I, you know, I couldn't move back to South Carolina. Um, all of my, one of my cousins who was living here, she actually was moving back to South Carolina. And then the other cousin, she was staying in the town home with her family and kids and didn't have enough room. And so I went through this process. I actually ended up moving to Delaware for like a month and I stayed with a mentor and his wife. And then I moved back to D.C. One of my friends um, had an extra room. I was like, hey, you can stay here until you get on your feet. So I moved back into D.C. And I hit the ground running. Um, temp agencies finding me a job. And in that process, there were so many opinions. Folks were like, well, why don't you just go back to being a school teacher? That's what you have your degrees in. That's what you did. And, you know, I'm like, that's not for me. And it was just so hard getting people to understand that. It was like, well, you know, you got a salary. You got benefits. It's something you can do. And I'm just like, that is not what I want to do. I say, if I do teach, it'll be at the college level. I, you know, I can't do the, the school system anymore. And um, and I even thought 
one day of going into that until one day um, a young lady I was um, in seminary with, we were having a conversation and I said, well, yeah, I think I might want to just go ahead and get something just for the time being. And she just like, she said, you know what it is that you really want to do. And she said, so stick to that. She said, forget what everybody's saying. You know, she's like, if you know, you, you say you have faith, you know, keep walking by, by faith. And so um, during the time where um, I was working on one of my temp jobs, I started hearing, you know, you know, through praying, I was just hearing like, you know, in my spirit, like, you know, these are things that you need to know. You need to know what's in your heart. You need to know what you're passionate about. You need to know your purpose. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do some. At that time, it was just, I think Periscope was like the only live. It was right before Facebook Live came out. And it was just like Periscope. And I was like, I'm going to do a live post on these things that I jotted down just now. And then it hit me like, hey, this is your next book. So I started writing the book. And so in the book, I'm writing about these are things that we need to know about ourselves because a lot of the times we end up living somebody else's dream. You know, it's, it's a, a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, or somebody who didn't get to live their dreams and they're trying to live our dreams through, live their dreams through someone else. Um, or even just someone who just wants to limit you and say like, this is what you need to do. And I'm just like, but I know that my heart is calling for more. My purpose is bigger than just being in a classroom or just doing this, I know it's something more. And so I started writing about like how I discovered like when my seasons changed or using examples in that of that, what, how I found out what's in my heart, how I discovered my purpose and, you know, how we can discover passion, you know, what we're passionate about, and, you know, even knowing ourselves, knowing what we believe in, because again, a lot of these things are just passed down to us and we don't take time to question or consider it or even define what it means. You know, so okay. that's how that came. That's what I jotted down. And I actually use that book when I teach my freshman composition classes. Oh, wow. So do you got a two for one out of that book. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> now, I do have one final question here and then one final statement. Um, okay. If we had to buy one book today, which one should we buy? Of your three. If you had. We had to buy one, and we needed oh, my, we needed to be really effective here. We need some some guidance immediately. Which one of the three books mm -hmm. should we buy? I would say I would say know this, know this. That's the one that would yeah know this. The nine essential principles to know as you journey towards your destiny. Okay, that that's the one I, today. If you needed some direction, mm -hmm. or if you just needed some things to consider or contemplate on, that's the one. Okay, now is is there a three pack special, or we just are they so individual? <laughs> oh yeah, so actually, so and I, I do um I do that. So I actually I'm in the process of ordering some more so that I can start that three pot that three pack. So you know I, I need to have my stuff together before I started talking about that. So, okay, you know, I, but I'm you're not judging me, so okay. it's all right. Yeah, we know. I'm not judging. So, I'm not judging. No judgment so, um, Absolutely. So if you if you do all three, I give a five dollar discount because so what it is, grandma grandma hand grandma's hand me down. That's um a fifteen dollar book, mm -hmm. and from that one, I also give um contributions to the Alzheimer's Association. Okay. Um, okay. What's in a day? And know this are both ten dollars each, and so of course you know if you buy all three, you know that's thirty five. But if you buy them as a package, you know I let you get them for thirty. And, and that's if you, you know, but you have to buy them directly from me. But, you know, again, I'm going to say hold up because I have to get some, I have to get some more in the mail before I can start shipping those out. Okay. But 
they are all available on Amazon. Now, if you get them on Amazon, Amazon will make you pay for them. Pay for them separately. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Robert, tell us how um, people can get in contact with you about the book, and uh, give us a final word, and we'll, we'll we'll close out today's show. Okay. Yeah. So absolutely. Um, so um, you can get in contact with me on um, social media. You can find me Robert J. Dantzler. Um, and that's D-A-N-T-Z-L-E-R. And I make sure I say that because some people have challenges with my name mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that because it's not a common name. Okay. <laughs> so, um, um, also on Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at, um, I'm at RJ Dantzler on both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently, I created a TikTok, but I haven't started using it. Um, slow, I, slow I down, have some Rob. ideas. Slow down. Um, <laughs> yeah. Slow down, man. All right. <laughs> I'm a, but I, I, I think my name on, on there is, but I, I don't have any content on there right now. So, um, I, I can, you know, we can, we can hold off on that one. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Um, yeah. Cause like, um, because I created it during the, um, the, um, end of the semester. Um, and so I haven't had any time to, to um, play around and be silly with it. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's my Instagram, Twitter and my Facebook. And I also have a website, www.robertjdanceler.com, which I actually am in the process of updating. Okay. And yeah. So you better get on the ball. We plan for you to sell some books. Yeah, I I got to, you know, it's it's time, you know, say when, when it comes, you can, you can be ready. I I actually have copies of grandma's hand-me-down, grandma's hand-me-downs that's, that are um, ready to be shipped. I just have to get some more copies of the other two. Okay. And, you know, no, we're going to be on that. You know, we got to do this. And so in closing or say my final thing, um, first, I just want to say thank you to the three of you, CL, yourself and Neek for having me today and giving me, you know, space and opportunity to um, share some more of my story. Um, and um, shout out to my homegirl, Natisha, who made the connection happen. Um, always good. And if anything that I could say to, um, anybody or like a closing thought is to, you know, love yourself, be your biggest cheerleader, be your number one advocate and never be ashamed of your story. Um, a good friend of mine who's a poet um, named Roberta White, who once told me, she said, your story is what makes you who you are. And one of my mentors told me people can't help you unless they know your story. So, mm-hmm. you know, don't be ashamed of your story It's yours. Don't be afraid to tell it and tell it. Don't let nobody else tell it for you because like that song says, can't nobody tell it like you. So th- that's what I'll leave you with. All right. Well, well thank you, Robert. Yeah, we definitely appreciate you. having you on. Um, thank you for your time today. Uh, this probably has to be, I, I, I must say, probably one of the deepest episodes we've had here. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely. Uh, uh, <laughs> wow. I couldn't even we normally are a little jokey I couldn't find a place to throw one in man. <laughs> like I, was, I was trying I was trying but we really appreciate you being as open as, as you were um, uh, with this I, I think uh, we hope that somebody uh, is able to learn something and maybe uh, can maybe be encouraged to share their own story so they can start uh, to heal and and uh, and and congrats to everything that you've achieved. Uh, you are definitely the epitome of a survivor, even from you know Thank your life story to all together. So it's inspiring, um, and and you know oh, like it, <laughs> you had more than enough reasons uh, to make excuses for not succeeding, and and they did not they did not hit. Well, they may have hindered you, they did not stop you. So um, definitely props to you there. 
Uh, but thank you, I appreciate. Oh, uh, you're welcome, man. You're welcome, definitely welcome. Uh, Nick, you gonna take us on out? Yeah, I'm gonna take us on out. Thank you all for listening in today. We thank our guest Robert Dantzler for joining us today. Um, it's your girl Nick Cruz, CL Butler, and your boy Yusuf. Thank you once again for listening to another episode of Relationship Status. Remember that you can catch us on RelationshipStatusPodcast.com, iTunes, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, Nobody Grinds Radio, and anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast for free. If you would like to join the conversation or leave us a dear Neek, make sure you email us at relstatpodcast at gmail.com or call us at 843-310-8637. Make sure you follow us on all social media platforms at relstatpodcast. And don't forget to comment, share, five-star rate, and review. And remember to catch us on Wednesday for the lunch date. It's Neek, CL, and Yusuf, and we are out. We're still on? Hey, Robert.